0: Oh God, our Father in heaven. That is why we're here today. We're here today for no other reason than to praise your name. We praise your name today because you are faithful. You are perfect. You are holy. You are righteous. You are just. You're worthy of our praise. And Father, even as we think about the crazy things that are going on in the world around us. God, rather than letting those kinds of things be distractions from our focus on you and seeing your love, I pray that that everything that happens around us will draw the attention and the focus to the fact that you are faithful, that you are a great and mighty God. You are love. God, thank you for demonstrating your love for us and such a powerful way that for God so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in you should not perish, but have everlasting life. And God, today, it's because of who you are, because of your love for us, because you draw your love to us, that we lift up our lives before you and celebrate you in worship. We praise you. We bless you. And now, God, as we continue to worship you through listening to your Spirit, speak to us through your divine, holy, inspired, perfect Word. God, may we be open-minded. May we open up our hearts to you and just for these moments, turn our focus truly upon you and learn from you and listen to you as you speak to us now through our worship of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you are a child and still in here, I pray that um, you'll take off now to uh, continue your worship <clears throat> with your age group, and you'll have a great time of worship together. We, As i said so many times in the last couple of months, we, we appreciate having uh, family worship time where families can learn how to worship together and children can learn how to worship from watching you uh, celebrate worship together. And also, if you would open up your Bibles with me, the Colossians chapter 2, as we continue to work our way through this letter from the Apostle Paul to the Colossian church and what God has to share with us through this part of his word. So what do Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates have in common? Well, according to the, to the standard of the world, uh, they are the richest men in the world, some of the richest men in the world. Um, generally, someone is considered to be rich if they have access to more resources than the average person. And that would certainly be true about these men. From a worldly perspective, uh, this usually includes financial resources, Uh, tangible resources like cars and houses and boats. It also includes intangible benefits, uh, like being able to manipulate influential people to get what you want. And again, I'm guessing that all of these men would certainly fit that bill. Uh, However, from a biblical perspective, from God's perspective, there's more to being rich Than just having money. There's more to being rich. Than just having things. That are accessible to you freely. From this world. But you know. History has proven. It's a strange thing. uh, History has proven. That the richest people in the world. Sometimes according to this standard. Are some of the neediest people. In the world. And what is considered. By the world standard some of the poorest people in the world, and I've been in some of those cultures, some of you have been in those cultures recently. Some of these people who consider to be the poorest people in the world are actually the richest people in the world. Paul was an apostle who was appointed by God to preach the gospel to needy people. He was appointed to preach the gospel to Gentiles. He loved his own people as well. He wanted to preach the gospel to all people and let all people know that they could be rich in the eyes of God. And he wanted believers to understand how to be rich according to God's standard. And so that's where we want to turn our attention today. That's what I want us to understand God saying to us as well. What do I need to know of how to be alive and the riches of, of Christ Jesus, of God. And there are three things that I want to call your attention to as we just work through this passage. I hope if you have your Bible, you'll keep it open, and you'll just work through Colossians chapter 2, verses 1-7 through 7 with us today. You've heard it read earlier. Uh, now we're going to dive into it and dig out these riches. First of all, riches in Christ are vast. Uh, they're, they're, they're not limited. He says in verse 1, Of chapter 2 of Colossians. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face. Verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged. Be knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance. Of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Which is Christ. Now, again, Paul was passionate about sharing the gospel. He was passionate about sharing the gospel with those he loved. And he was passionate about the riches that he had in Christ Jesus, the treasures that he had in Christ Jesus, and passing those on to other believers and to other churches. It's not unusual for us to invest in people that we care about, is it? It's not unusual even when this investment comes at a great expense to us, even when it's a struggle for us to share those riches with people that we love. And again, the greatest desire in the heart of this man that we know as the Apostle Paul was the struggle that he had to share the gospel, to share this investment that God had given in him at the expense of sacrifice. At the expense of struggling. So the greatest desire Paul had was to see people believe in Jesus. And then to see churches and people in the church grow in sharing Jesus with people around them in their life. I'm so thankful that one day a Paul type person shared the gospel with my mom and dad. They were running away from God. They were far from God. They had no idea that God was chasing after them, coming after them. And you wouldn't believe the walls that God knocked down to bring the gospel into the life of my mom and dad. And the beautiful thing about their experience with coming to know Jesus was that they created an environment in our family where I could come to know Jesus and trust him as my personal Lord and Savior as well. Uh, We treasure that here at this church. We want to see children come to know Jesus as we share our faith with them and the way we live around them so that they too will know Jesus and be able to share Jesus personally and relationally in their life as well. So let me just briefly ask you this, and I'm going to continue to come back to this as we move through unweaving this passage. But when other people look at you, do they see that you have a passion and a compassion for them to the degree that you want to see them come to know Jesus? That you're willing to suffer, that you're willing to sacrifice, that you're willing to struggle, as Paul says here, in order to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. See, when, when you truly care for people... You struggle to share the gospel with them. You don't expect them to be perfect because none of us are perfect and they're surely not perfect either. But you keep on loving them to the gospel by the way you act and the way you encourage and the way you speak to them and the way you model the example of Jesus in their life. Living according to true riches is walking with someone through the tough times of life, through the challenging times of life, although it might, be, it might be a struggle for you when everybody else in the world may be walking out. Everybody else in the world may be wanting to abandon them. But you walk in when everybody else walks out, and that demonstrates the riches that you have in Christ Jesus that you want to share with them. Look again at verse 2. As a result of that, he says, "'I want their hearts to be encouraged,' being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Now when the Bible talks about riches, it's not talking about material wealth. Not at all. Um, although Laodicea was a very uh, wealthy place, it's mentioned in Verse verse 1 here, and also a few other places in the New Testament. For example, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, we have a clear picture of what Jesus thought about the church at Laodicea. He actually reprimanded them for putting their trust in wealth as a priority over putting their trust in Him. The church at Laodicea was a wealthy area of commerce and trade. They lived in an area where it was uh, common for people to be comfortable. People had the advantage of having money, having resources. And they had fallen into the trap of putting their wealth, their resources, their priorities in life, in wealth rather than putting them in Jesus. In other words, Jesus was not the priority of their life. And what did Jesus say to them in Revelation chapter 3? He said, because you are putting your trust in the wealth and the things of this world, the riches of this world, you make me sick. He says, I would spew you out of my mouth. That means vomit. (laughs) It, It made Jesus sick that this church was putting anything above Him in their life, in their priorities. Now, church, what what does that say to us today? It says that anything we are putting, it doesn't have to be money, it can be anything else. Anything we put in priority over Jesus makes God sick. Makes Jesus sick, and we need to be aware of that. Um, Now, these were true believers And what did Jesus say to them in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20? He said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Talking to Christians, talking to believers. They were putting Jesus on the outside. He was not the priority in their life. And he was knocking to get back into that priority spot in their life. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and will open the door, I will come into him and I'll eat with him and he with me. What is he saying? He's saying, don't put me out of your life and keep me on the outside knocking at your heart's door to become the priority in your life. Keep Jesus Christ the priority in your life. And so Paul was writing to the church at Colossae, which is just outside the region of Laodicea. And he was complimenting them for keeping Jesus as the priority of their life. He was saying, Don't let me be uh, chastising you for being lukewarm about the gospel, because if you're lukewarm about Jesus Christ, he, look at what he said. He said, You are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. That was the charge against the church at Laodicea. They thought they had everything, but they had nothing. When they fail to put Jesus Christ in the priority place of their life. So, material wealth material wealth can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse. It's a blessing when we use resources to give glory and honor and praise to God. That's as individuals or as churches. But it's a curse when we let the riches of this world become the priority of our life. So take heed. Riches in Jesus or vast and bountiful and extravagant and abundant and encouraging when we put Jesus in the right place in our life. Jesus, listen to this. In chapter 1, remember we learned that Jesus wants to present us before God as holy and blameless and above reproach. How does that happen? It can only happen when Jesus is the priority of our life. You can't get any richer than that. (laughs) Being presented to God, blameless and holy, above reproach. Wow. That is what being rich is in the eyes of God. And Jesus is the holy hope of glory. So have you put your faith and trust and hope in him today? Is he the highest priority in your life today? Jesus gives you the opportunity to emotionally live in victory over the bad news of everyday life when you put your hope and trust in Him. Paul says the church should be a place of encouragement when he uses this phrase being knit together in love. It's a place of encouragement. It's a place where believers can show the world what it looks like for People to care about each other and to support each other and to love each other. Um, We had a situation this morning, I don't think he would mind me sharing at all, where one of our church members has a golf ball sized tumor behind his eyeball and it's blocking his optic nerve. It was encouraging to gather around him and pray for him this morning, pray that God would would use the doctors as they do surgery on him to to heal him. That's the kind of love of Christ that a church ought to share and ought to present. And few things are more encouraging than relationally giving, expecting nothing back in return. And that's what being knit together in love is all about in the church. We give ourselves away just like Jesus did not expecting anything back in return. We do it because it's the right thing to do, because it's the loving thing to do. And that kind of selfless treatment toward each other and toward the world is encouraging. It draws focus to the riches that are vast in Christ and that cause other people to join us in giving glory and praise to God. These vast riches have an end goal. He talks about it Paul talks about it here at the end of verse 2. The end goal is to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ. What does that mean? Well, the purpose for God enriching the world through the church and through individuals in the church It's to elevate Jesus Christ as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The world has never understood Jesus. I mean, remember, when when Jesus was born, what did Herod do? Herod tried to kill. He took every male boy under three years old in Bethlehem and slaughtered them, killed them. Why? Because he didn't understand Jesus. Following that, the, the Holy Roman Empire later in the, in, in the same century, the Holy Roman Empire you know, martyred Christians, including this man who wrote this letter, the Apostle Paul, because they did not understand Jesus. Radical groups in this world today are wanting to wipe out Christians and wipe out Jews because they don't understand Jesus. The world simply does not understand Jesus. Don't expect the world to understand Jesus, but that doesn't take away his value. That doesn't take away the drive and the passion and the commitment that believers have to share him because the pattern that Jesus has set up for his kingdom that will last throughout eternity is not built on taking people's lives, it's built on giving people life. Jesus came to give people life. And when we know Him, when we share Him, when we share the extravagant, boundless, encouraging, vast riches of Jesus Christ with this world, the, the gain that comes from that far outweighs the pain that comes for those of us who follow Him and may have to sacrifice and suffer and struggle to share Him. So how can I find treasure in Jesus? Well, I trust the vast riches that are available in Jesus. Secondly, again with verse 2 and continuing with verse 3, riches in Christ are valuable. They're valuable. In fact, nothing is more valuable than putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Again, verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What's a treasure? Well, a treasure is something of irreplaceable value. It's a valuable, valuable asset. And I trust that you understand how, how, how God views treasure. He doesn't view treasure as riches of this world, of money and things of this world. There's a very different view that God has of riches and treasure. Our grandkids come to our house and <clears throat> at our house they have a treasure box. And inside their treasure box, and they play with it all the time, inside the treasure box are, are these uh, plastic fake necklaces and beads, and they even have some uh, chains, some coins, some money. I have this two-gallon jar. We used to use money to buy things, for those of you who don't know. And we would, we would have chains that would come, and I'd just take that change out of my pocket every day and, and throw it in that jar. And the kids were about two years old or so, and they found my treasure jar. <laughs> they found my collection jar. And I would find my money tra- uh, scattered all over the house after they would leave. So I took all the quarters and dimes and nickels out and left the pennies in there. So when they come, uh, they, they, those are part of their treasure box. They treasure that little box. They call it their treasure box. For me, I treasure being with them I treasure time I spend with them. I treasure praying for them. I treasure giving things to them. But you know what I treasure more than the things I do for my children, and even more than I treasure my children? I treasure Jesus more than even the closest relationships I have in this world. More than the stuff I have in this world. Why? Because He is the treasure. That is the treasure above all treasures. My grandkids are a treasure, but they are not the treasure. Jesus is the treasure. One of the most valuable assets a church can have. And verse 2 is for our hearts to be knit together in love. Love for what? Well, first of all, love for Jesus, and then love for the Jesus in us that comes through in the way we treat each other and the way we act toward each other. Jesus is the treasure, but living out loud like Jesus is the treasure that this world most greatly needs. The love we have for Jesus can't help but gush out into the way we love and care for one another. So let me ask you again does that describe you does that describe the way you care about the bride of christ the church of christ it's amazing what can happen in the hearts of church members when we are knit together in the love of christ true understanding true knowledge True wisdom can only be found in being knit together in Christ. Bound together with Him and then knit together with those who are walking with Him. So again, how are you growing each day and being knit into the life of Jesus and then being woven, knit together into the lives of fellow believers in the church? See, for marriage to work, each partner in the marriage has to be centered so much on jesus that you're wrapped around jesus and anytime marriage partners are wrapped around jesus what does that do to their lives they are drawn closer and closer and closer to jesus they're wrapped woven embedded into jesus the same is true with your family When family members are knit together in Jesus, the closer we draw draw to Jesus, the closer we're drawn to each other. That's what a picture of a family ought to be. When a church is knit together in Jesus, we're drawn closer and closer and closer to Jesus. So what am I saying? When Jesus is the center of our life, our marriage, our family, our church, He weaves our hearts together as we are unified together in him as we are knit together in him and paul says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in christ now when he says they're hidden in christ that doesn't mean that they uh, are hard to find that's not it at all in fact it's just the opposite when when our lives are hidden in christ that means that that the treasure that we have in Christ and that we invest in others through Christ is hidden for us in heaven so that one day when we get to heaven, those treasures are going to be opened up. And we're going to say, wow, that investment that I made in the lives of these people, it paid off for eternity, forever and ever and ever in their life. Uh, the most valuable and beautiful investment that we can make in another person's life is to invest Jesus into their life. And one day, hidden in heaven, is going to be a picture of that for us to encourage heaven and to encourage you and me as well. Uh, Jesus thought this was so important. In in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount we looked at earlier this year, in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Hiding treasure in heaven affects everything about your life. It affects how you treat your body. It affects how you treat your relationships. It affects how you treat your money. It affects how you treat your church. It affects everything about your life. And once again, let me say this. There's nothing more important, there's no greater treasure in life than trusting Jesus Christ as the highest priority of your life, the the Lord of your life. Make sure that your understanding and knowledge and wisdom and treasures are rooted and stored up in Christ, in Jesus. Is that you today? Is that how you're living out your life? Not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of family and friends and relationships around you. So, how can I find treasure in Jesus? Well, first of all, I trust the vast riches found in Him. And then, secondly, I uh, trust Him as the highest value, the highest priority in my life. And then, finally, today, what do I need to be alive in the riches of Christ? Well, riches in Christ are stabilizing. I need to know that I'm on a solid foundation when I put my trust in faith. And claim my resources in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Now this brings us back to chapter 1. And the reason why Paul wrote this letter. One of the reasons why he wrote this letter. It's extremely important for believers To have a firm foundation in our faith in Jesus Christ and to have doctrine that is biblical, solid doctrine. Since the the formation of the first century church, there have always been false leaders and false teachers who have distorted the truth. Have changed the gospel or the meaning of the gospel to fit their own benefit, to fit their own ego, to fit their own purposes one of the main reasons, again, Paul wrote this letter was Epaphras had come hundreds of miles across two continents to bring the message to Paul that there were people in the church who were claiming that there was a higher knowledge that someone had to have in order to be a Christian. That Jesus wasn't enough. There was another group of people that were, were teaching that that. Uh, And challenging the the deity of Jesus Christ, the fact that he wasn't 100% God and 100% man. We talked about this last month in chapter one. But Paul is writing this church to encourage them because they have a stable structure and they have stabilizing doctrine. And here's what he reminded them of it's not enough to believe. Now, listen to what I'm saying here. What you believe is just as important as that you believe. Every religion in this world has a belief system. Even atheism has a belief system. I don't know how you can believe that there's not a God, because that's saying that I'm God. <laughs> so they really, atheist does really believe there's a God because they put themselves in the place of God and they are God. But every belief system in this world, every faith system in this world has a belief. What's the difference? Well, Paul was saying, look at verse 5. Though I'm absent of the body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. He commended them for the sound doctrine and the application of that doctrine. Then in verse 6, Therefore, here's the difference. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, that as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What's the difference in all the religions of the world and Christianity? Well, the difference is, receiving jesus christ look at it in verse six as you receive christ jesus the lord so walk in him it's not just believing with your head it's not just coming to church that sets you apart as a christian it's receiving jesus personally relationally receiving him into your life god offers the gift of salvation To those who are called to believe, you have to do your part and believe. You have to receive Jesus as Lord. It's a personal relationship. He said, Church, you make my day when you keep your faith firm by planning your life in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Way to go. And if you've come to that point in your life where you have received Jesus Christ the Lord, way to go. If, you're, if you've not done that, I, I encourage you today to not leave here without believing in Jesus Christ the Lord, receiving Jesus Christ the Lord. So, have you received him? Do you actually know him? Say, Ronnie, what is that all about? Well, knowing him begins by, yes, believing that he came to this world. God in the flesh, He became one of us. He went through every temptation that you and I go through. He had every need that you and I have. And yet, He lived a life of perfection. He never sinned. And that qualified Him to do what He came to do. And that was to sacrifice His life on the cross, to shed His blood, to pay the price for the penalty of your sin and by sin. So, you have to know that. You have to believe that in your head. But then you have to take that next step and receive it into your life. Receive Him into your life. All of us are sinners, and our sin separates us from God. And only receiving Jesus as our personal, relational Lord and Savior do we actually become a believer in Him. He died. He was buried. He rose the third day. And that is the gospel. Have you received that into your life today? Have you received him into your life today? When you're convicted of your sin and you repent of your sin and turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus, that's a demonstration that you have received him into your heart and into your life. At that moment, you receive him and then everything about your life changes Look at it again. He says, as you have received Christ Jesus, verse 6, as Lord, as the Lord. See, there's nothing else that you put in priority over him. The Lord means that he's in charge. He's in control. He's behind the driver's steering wheel of your life. He says, as you have received him, so walk in him. So after you receive Christ, then there's a life that flows from that. You're rooted and built up in him and established in the same way. That you came to know him. And that's by faith. The result of. Jesus stabilizing your life. Is that Jesus Christ the Lord alone. Abounds in your life and creates in your life. A life of thanksgiving. See solid doctrine produces a joyful faith. And when you have a personal relationship with Jesus, that's not just the snapshot of your life. That's the video production of your life. Every year around this time of the year, we have, if you come to my house today, you'll see pumpkins out in front of my house and pumpkins up my step. And I mean, we, we decorate for the fall up until Thanksgiving time. And then after Thanksgiving, usually on that same day, I changed the scenery from orange and, you know, fall-looking colors. I changed the scenery to red and Christmas-looking colors. Um, I can't think of an exception where that hasn't happened at our house. Last year, uh, I was in a hurry to make that change, and so I took the pumpkins off the steps and carried them around, and I left them on the side of the house behind some bushes, and I forgot about them. Well, about halfway through the summer... I saw these vines growing down the side of my house. And if you come to my house today, you will see real pumpkins (laughs) growing alongside of my house. Why is that? Well, it's because those pumpkins released the seeds and the seeds went down into the ground and the seeds rooted. And based on the roots from those plants... Plants came up and spread, and real fruit, pumpkins, were produced by those seeds that were rooted in the ground. That's the picture that Paul is painting here of your life. When you know Jesus, when you truly are in relationship with Him, your life is rooted in Him, and the result of your life being rooted in Him, as he says here, is that Fruit is produced that looks like Jesus. Pumpkin seeds produce pumpkins that look like pumpkins. When your life is rooted in Jesus, your life looks like Jesus. And the the fruit of your life, the result of your life, is that you look like Jesus. As you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I mean, I get excited around Thanksgiving time because it reminds me of the blessings that God pours out on on us abundantly. And all that starts because of being rooted by faith in Jesus and then continuing to model His way of living because of that same faith that started my life in Him, that continues in Him. And I pray that that's the picture of your life today as well. And we'll pick up there next week. But before we move on today, there's, there's one thought that I want to share with you. Uh, it's, it's just really difficult during these days to have our eyes turned anywhere other than the Middle East, um, toward Gaza and and Israel and we're living we're living in crucial times we're living in critical times Uh, there, there are some things that we can actually do though about the situation in the Middle East and about the situation especially in Gaza and Israel and the surrounded Arab areas there's something you can actually do rather than worry see worry gets us nowhere And there's no need to sit around twiddling your thumbs worrying. Let me give you three things that I want to challenge Palmetto Shores Church members to do while we live through these tragedy times and these times that would tempt us to sit around and worry. First of all, make sure that your life is rooted in Jesus. Make sure that you know Jesus. That you have that relationship with him that changes everything about life. Nothing's more important for you than that. You can't help the Middle East much less around your neighborhood. Until you come to know Jesus. You can't share the riches that God gives a believer. Until you possess those riches. So make sure you have admitted that you're a sinner. And... Believe that Jesus came to set you free from your sin and repent of your sin and turn away from it and turn your life over to Jesus if he's calling you to do that today. That's primarily important. See, worldly riches may get you luxuries in this world, but I will guarantee you if you track any of the billionaires in this world, if you track any people who Or counting on earthly, worldly riches to get them satisfaction in life. Here's what you're going to find around their life. You're going to find hatred. You're going to find envies. You're going to find wars. You're going to find disasters. You're going to find pain. You're going to find sorrow. Why? Because that's a picture of our sinful world. And money can't buy you out of that. It's it's evident everywhere. And so I say nothing is more important to you than believing in Jesus and walking in His riches because riches in Christ give you an eternal perspective, a heavenly perspective. Not that what matters, what, what, what happens on this earth doesn't matter. It does. But you can't change that till you are walking with Jesus. Secondly, I challenge you to spend more time praying. There's a great investment you can make in Gaza and Israel and the Grand Strand and all areas in between by taking time to be built up in Christ in in prayer. In fact, the Bible is very clear about this. The Bible tells us who to pray for. Listen to Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. Love your enemies. Do good to those who... Hurt you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Now that's otherworldly kinds of advice. Pray, 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 pray for people who are doing what we consider to be and what are insane things, crazy, inhumane things. Pray for them. That's what God's asked us to do. That's what Jesus modeled for us to do. In Galatians 6.2, he says, pray for the burdened." In Ephesians 6.18, he says, pray for those who share the gospel. Earlier this, uh, this past month, we, we talked in chapter 1 and verse 9 of Colossians, pray for believers and pray for churches. In 1 Peter 3.12, pray for those who do evil use time more than ever pray pray and pray and pray and pray for yourself for your relationships what's going on in your home what's going on in your community pray so stay rooted in Christ by knowing him build yourself up by praying and thirdly spend time establishing and building yourself up in the bible and then being thankful don't be like the gnostics that Paul was writing against here and make up answers cheap answers to questions that people are asking in the world give them real answers give them jesus when doors swing wide open to pray for somebody or talk about the gospel do it be bold about loving people to jesus put yourself in community around people who Study and love the Word of God and allow that relationship they have with Jesus to encourage and strengthen your relationship with God. Here's the bottom line. You are a stabilizer to what's going on in this world when your life is stabilized in Jesus. That is the riches that God has to offer in Christ Jesus for you. And experiencing the riches in Christ starts in your own heart and spreads to your own home and your own church, your own community. And you'd be amazed at how praying for the world can be used by God to change things in this world. So how can I find treasure in Jesus? Well, establish your faith in Christ and let your worldview in Christ the Lord Be celebrated in your life through the riches that he continues to give you through the gospel. God wants you to have his riches so you can share his riches. Father, thank you today that you are faithful. That you have given us life, the opportunity for eternal life in Christ. And thank you for reminding us that you haven't given us Jesus just to keep for ourselves. When we believe in Jesus, you, you've given us the treasure, the riches in Christ so that we can just know you and love you and exalt you and worship you. But then let that worship we have of you flow over into the lives of people that you put in front of us. God, I do pray for our world. I pray for peace in Jerusalem. I pray for comfort and strength to those who are grieving. And I pray that you would encourage us today with thanksgiving as we pour out our praise to you and worship you and celebrate you and go away from here committed to let our light shine. For Jesus. And we lift you up and praise you now as we continue to worship in Jesus' name.